We live in an age where people want to be famous. It doesn't seem to worry people whether they have a reason to be famous, they just want to be famous. And they like to get their picture in the media. And sometimes when we hear of various celebrities doing good things or bad things, and it goes on the news week after week, we sometimes say, uh, I'm not really interested in their lives. Um, just, just get on with it, as it were. But they want to be in the media. And those who can't quite make it, uh, they like to mix with the famous. They like to hang on. And this shallow existence is part of our old sinful nature of pride. People want to be known and to be important. Well, in the passage that we read, we read of one who didn't want to be famous. In fact, the passage doesn't even tell us much about him. It doesn't even tell us his name. And there is an important reason for that. In the Old Testament, we find patterns and principles uh, of the gospel, of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in this particular case, there is a great uh, principle and pattern here of God the Holy Spirit of whom we've been thinking today. Abraham's servant is in many ways a type of God the Holy Spirit. God the Holy Spirit who told the Lord, or the Lord told us rather, that when he is come, he will not speak of himself. And it's quite interesting to note that throughout this whole passage, this servant does not speak of himself. He has one aim, and that is to win a bride for his master and to promote everything to do with his master. Now this morning we saw something of the day of Pentecost. We, we looked at what happened on that day. <clears throat> we looked at some of the works of God the Holy Spirit, convicting people of sin, righteousness and judgment. We saw how he works in the lives of God's people, producing the fruit of the Spirit, prompting us in holiness. We saw how he searches and calls and draws people to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I suppose the question all the way through is, have we, individuals, whether we're here or whether we're listening at home, have we been enabled to respond to the call of God the Holy Spirit? In the words of Peter this morning, it was to repent, to repent and uh, now believe the gospel. Or in the words of this passage, if we were to... Uh, perhaps uh, give a text um, this evening. It would be from verse 58, where the question is given to Rebecca, wilt thou go with this man? And that's a great gospel call, isn't it? When we think of Jesus Christ, because that's the question, whether we would go with this man, whether we would yield to him, yield to his works, claim the gospel for ourselves, and then be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now Abraham has been given great promises, uh, one of which that he would be the father of a great nation, and uh, that must have caused a certain consternation among his friends, because uh, that was really part of the meaning of his name, that he was to be a father of a great nation. And as he gathered round with his friends, they'd say, tell us your name again, tell us what it means. Now tell us how many children you've got. Well, yes, you haven't got any. And uh, they were perhaps, they could even say pull his leg about that but of course he did eventually in his old age uh, his wife produced a son and now that son had grown up 
and he was 40 years old, and uh, he was to marry. Any virtue in being 40 years old before you married, I don't know. Um, There's probably something to be said for him. But he couldn't marry outside the people of God, and so Abraham is sending for a wife. You could call this a semi-arranged marriage. There's quite a bit to be said for that as well. But there we are. And so Abraham's servant went to seek a bride for Isaac. Now Abraham's servant isn't a servant in the terms that we think of a slave servant. He has control of all his master's goods. He is a very important person in that household. Really probably only second to Abraham. And he is sent to seek a bride for Isaac. Just as God the Holy Spirit seeks a bride for Christ. So let's just look at one or two points from here to kind of hang these things on. And uh, let's keep kind of one ear open to say, well, do I know this experience of being called by God the Holy Spirit? Is, am I really going with this man, the Lord Jesus Christ? Or do I know nothing of it? And the first thing we see here, that God is a God of order. There was a plan Abraham didn't say, well, go and find some woman for my son. He'd worked out where he'd got to go. He'd no doubt prayed about it. And uh, in working all of these things out, he was to be in the will of God. And so he sends his servant to find a bride. And God had a plan and still has a plan. One worked out in eternity past And that plan is that the Holy Spirit should come and should draw a people to be the bride of Jesus Christ, redeeming them, that Christ would redeem them uh, from sin and eternal damnation. And of course the part we're thinking of uh, today is that God the Holy Spirit would come and seek out a people and, and would regenerate them and convict them and grant them gifts of repentance and faith. And if you're a child of God tonight, if you're a Christian, then you've been a partaker of that plan. And that's a wonderful thing. Thought of in eternity past, thought of at Calvary, and will be thought of in a time to come. In the words of the hymn, uh, moment by moment we're thought of till glory doth shine. And if you're not a Christian tonight, you've never come to know the Lord Jesus Christ, then you can be, as it were, part of that plan. If you see your need in Christ, the scripture says, you may call upon the Lord and you can be saved. You can be safe for time and eternity. That was really just an opening uh, gambit there because we, we need to note that this wasn't done in a corner. This wasn't something that Abraham just thought of, but it was a plan that he had. And, and so God has this great plan. And this plan is not finished yet. He not only has a plan that a bride has been purchased and should be brought, but also a plan that takes us into eternity. Secondly, I noticed that the early movings of the Spirit of God are not always evident. You know, some people, they come to faith having had a great warning from God and they know the Lord's speaking to them. But to many, there are what we might call the early whispers of his grace, the gentle movings of God's providence, that when we come to faith, we look back and we can say, that's what the Lord was doing. That's how the Lord preserved me until this day. That's why the Lord put me in this family or that family. And here in this count, the servant who is anonymous, 
He's not drawing attention to himself. There are the silent whispers of his grace. Now we know that Abraham's servant was his eldest servant, it says. He was entrusted with this most important task. And uh, although throughout this account the servant remains unknown, he constantly refers to Abraham and Isaac. And even when he arrives at Laban's house and introduces himself, he just calls himself Abraham's servant. And so the Spirit of God does not speak of himself. I've quoted already, but i quoted again from John 16. For he will not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. He shall glorify me, and he shall receive of mine, and show it unto you. And that's what the servant was about to do, to show the riches of his master to uh, Rebecca's family. And you know, in bringing people to Christ, we're, we're not necessarily aware of the person of God, the Holy Spirit. But we are made aware that, that the things of Christ are beginning to become real. And we've heard this in many a testimony, that, that the pages of scripture that had seemed so dry all of a sudden became alive. Uh, and, and this is part of the work of God, the Holy Spirit. That things that they once enjoyed now became a trouble to them. They were becoming convicted. Again, a work of God the Holy Spirit. But they would not have recognised that as such. What did the servant here reveal? He revealed the things of his master, Abraham and Isaac. What did he do? He gave Rebecca bracelets. A token of the reality of what he was telling her. He showed her something of the riches of his master. And the Holy Spirit often shows us something of the things of Christ. He brings us in the words of scripture and in an earnest of the inheritance. He reveals the riches of Christ. And the servant here is revealing the things of Abraham and Isaac. What do we think of? The Spirit of God reveals to us the life of Christ. The death of Christ, the resurrection of Christ, the coming again of Jesus Christ. If you like, the gold of his deity, that who he is. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. He reveals to us, if you like, his singular ability to save. The glory of sins forgiven and and a heaven to gain. Rebecca here, she must have looked at these tokens and uh, very carefully and perhaps to think, well, are these things real? And when her brother saw it, and we know Laban later on was a, a crafty soul, when he saw them, he would have wanted to feel the weight of those things. What, what have we got here? Someone's come to, uh, to take my sister away, and he's bringing gifts. Let's see what we can get out of this. What else has this man got? My friends, do we not so often get too used to the riches of Christ? Paul writes about the riches of Christ. And I remember preaching a series, uh, it must be some time ago now, on what those riches were. The, the, the wonderful blessing of sins forgiven. The wonderful blessing of knowing the, the fellowship and communion and the abiding presence of God with us. That one there who, who gives us all the resources of heaven until we get to heaven ourselves. And, and we could just preach for week after week on the riches of God's grace. They felt the weight of them. Do we often ponder and feel the weight of the blessings that God gives us? Or may the Spirit do that in our souls. Thirdly, will you notice there was an urgency here uh, about the matter. 
when uh, the matter had been put to them, and it's a wonderful account really how that the servant uh, went down to the well and set that matter out and saying, well, when the lass comes down, will she not only give me a drink, but also draw for the camels? Anyone ever seen how much a camel drinks? Uh, quite a lot. You're going to draw water. And it said he had, took ten camels. That was no mean feat. It probably took us some time and a, and a great deal of effort to draw that water. It was an unusual thing to do in the sense of taking all that time and that effort to do it. It was a clear sign that uh, the Lord was speaking to him and this was, uh, this was the woman that he was to take back to his master. But once the matter had been settled, uh, did you notice there in verse 55 that Laban, her brother, and her mother said, let the damsel abide with us a few days, at least ten after that, she shall go. And you can understand this. They were probably never going to see her again. This was a big thing that was happening. She was taken off, not exactly by strangers, although she didn't know them. She knew of the family. She was going to be safe in that sense, but it was a, a very big step to take. And they wanted her to stay for a while. And Laban may have been a little selfish there. She cared for the sheep, remember. She was uh, part of, of her task there. And he may have been thinking, well, can we get any more gold out of this chap? This unusual man that has appeared. And uh, my friends, when it comes to the gospel, when the Spirit of God calls us and shows us the riches of Christ, it is so often the old nature. Satan and the world will try and keep us a little longer. A little longer to keep us away from Christ. When we're young... That little voice says, well, wait until you're older. And then when we get older, say, oh, you're too old now. We think, well, what can you get out of the world? We'll wait till we feel better. But the servant of Abraham would have none of it. Hinder me not, he says, seeing the Lord hath prospered my way. Send me away that I may go to my master. And that's a wonderful attitude that we need if we're not Christians. Hinder me not. Let me pursue the way. And this is what the Spirit of God does. The irresistible call of the Spirit to draw us to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because today is the day of salvation. And now is the time to seek the Lord, isn't it? And now is the, I've said this many times, but now is the only point in time that touches eternity. It's always now in eternity. And that's why we have that inscription. Now is the time to seek the Lord. And the servant wanted to get on with the work. He wanted to get on with the journey. He didn't want to hang about any longer. What do we read in the New Testament? My spirit shall not always strive with man. The day will come when the spirit will complete his work. And the Lord himself will come and take us home to be with him. There is an urgency in the matter. There was an urgency with this servant. There was an urgency in the spirit of God in calling his people. But then fourthly, will you notice how Rebecca was led all the way home? It was going to be a journey of some miles. She had no map. She had no sat-nav. She didn't know quite where she was going, although she knew where Abraham and Isaac lived in the area, as it were. But she trusted, and her trust was to follow Abraham's servant who led her all the way home. 
And my friends, the Holy Spirit will lead us all the way home. All the way our Saviour leads us, we sung also in that hymn. And it's a great comfort for us to know that we're not taken part of the way and just left. We're given instructions for the journey. We're given the guide of the Spirit for the journey. He that hath begun a good work will complete it. And then we'll be led all the way home to glory. I noticed Rebecca was uh, brought to Isaac and it says he saw her in the eventide. And she asked, who is this who, who comes to meet us? She didn't know him, she'd never seen him. But it was explained. You know, it would have been sad, wouldn't it, if Rebecca had part of the journey. She'd not been left, but she'd said, well, I, I'm not sure I want to go this way. If she'd gone off on her own way. And you know, there are many who start for glory but don't like the pathway. It is a pathway of tribulation, isn't it? It's a pathway of separation. It's a, a pathway of holiness. We think of those in Ukraine tonight. We think of those in China. We think of those in uh, North Korea and many other places, some of which we prayed for this morning. That's true tribulation, isn't it? That's true difficulty. When people uh, uh, lose everything. There was a case recently on one of the prayer lists, I think it was from Release International, praying for uh, families in northern Nigeria where members of the family had been killed and their home had been burnt down and they had got literally nothing. Nothing. And yet they forgave those who did that awful work. That's tribulation, isn't it? They're going to be led also all the way home. And yet I wonder how we would be in their shoes. It's a difficult thing because we need grace for the day. We need grace for that situation. And praise God, they are given it. You know, few of us walk perhaps in the way that we really ought to, as the Lord desires. But you know, all those purchased by the precious blood of Christ, we will be shepherded back to the way. We will be led all the way home. I noticed when she realised who it was, it says she veiled herself. You think, well, why give us such detail? Well, it showed the respect that she had, the, the culture of that particular time. It was a sign of submission to his lordship and his right. And there's lessons there for us, that we come in submission to our God. We acknowledge who he is. We don't come in, in a familiar way. And this is where we have that balance, isn't it? We were listening recently to Richard telling us about our Heavenly Father, that we can come to our Heavenly Father and we can call him Abba Father, which is a, a, a more informal way of, of approaching our God, that we're encouraged to do that. And yet we also come with great respect because he is also the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Who is that who comes to meet us in our prayer life? As Rebecca asked here, who is that who's coming to meet us? Who meets us in the, our daily life, in our communion services, in our Lord's Day worship, in our prayer meetings? It is the Lord. It is our Isaac, as it were. Let's move on. We've got another one here. The work of God the Holy Spirit is dependent on the saving work of Christ. If God the Holy Spirit, a part of his work is to bring the things of Christ to us, then there has to be some substance to that and the substance of that of course is that Christ has lived and died and risen again and in our account we would have to go back 15 years 
Abraham, you remember, is told there to offer Isaac as a sacrifice. And without going into too much detail there, because that's, that's another sermon, as it were, um, Isaac, it seems here, he's just happy to obey. Well, whether he was happy or not, I don't know, but he certainly did obey. It, it's, you know, Abraham obeys the Lord in taking Isaac to be the sacrifice, but I think it's equally amazing, if not more so, to see Isaac obey, obeying him that his dad, who's now 100 years or more old, is taking this 25-year-old strapping lad and saying, I'm going to kill you, you're going to be the sacrifice. You know, naturally you'd say, well, hang on a minute, this is, not what I, this is not what I came up here for. But Isaac allows his father to bind him and prepare him as a sacrifice. In other words, he was a willing participant. And he was a willing participant of the shadow of Calvary. That Jesus Christ went to the cross in obedience to his heavenly father and he went willingly. And without Genesis 24, um, or without that account rather of early on, Genesis 24 would have been very different. Isaac wouldn't have been there. And and the uh, promises to Abraham wouldn't have been fulfilled. You see, it's not possible. That had to be because of God's promises. And so it had to be that Jesus Christ came and died on the cross and rose again because of the promises of God, because of the plan of God, that there would be a people, there would be a bride for the Lord Jesus Christ. We come today in the full knowledge of the work of a greater than Isaac. Christ willingly went to the cross for sinners. He willingly laid down his life. He willingly shed his blood. To deal with the sin and purchase a people. My friends, what amazing grace that the love of God, the Lord of glory, should die for sinners like you and me. Scripture says it's a good thing a friend might die for a friend, but God was not our friend. He is our enemy by our very nature. And yet he came and died for us. And that he should call his spirit to lead us all the way Home. Let me reiterate what I've said and then we want to apply this a little bit. First of all, we see that God has a plan, just as Abraham had a plan, to bring a bride for Isaac. So God has a plan to bring a bride for the Saviour. We see that the early movings of the Spirit of God are not always seen. Neither were they here. The, the servant is nameless. He just moves and quietly does the work that he was planned to do. But there was an urgency in the matter. He was not going to be hindered. And there is an urgency in the matter that we are brought to Christ. We are shown the riches of his grace. And then we notice that he was led all the way home. It is the, the, the work of God to bring us to the gospel, to bring us to Christ, and then to bring us to glory. And then we saw how the Spirit's work is dependent on his saving work. And so here it was dependent. Isaac because of uh, his uh, substitution there by a ram caught in the thicket. The matter was dealt with as a shadow of Calvary. And so all that the Spirit does now is because of Jesus Christ, who came and died for us. And as we learnt this morning, his overall task is to bring to us, exalt the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So then some application. First of all, to see that when we witness... To other people, God the Holy Spirit is the one who does the work. 
when you share the gospel, when Richard speaks to people in Hyde Park today, he will say words, but it's the Spirit of God who turns those words into action within the soul. The Holy Spirit may bring people into our pathway. It is our task to give them the gospel. And the Holy Spirit is the one who gives them Christ. So it's good to remember that, that when we're witnessing and we're giving a track and we think, my words are not very good, that we leave those things in the hand of God, the Holy Spirit. And then we have to ask the question, don't we? Are we ready to meet the Lord? Say to Rebecca, are you ready to meet your master, Isaac? She must have spent a lot of time on that journey wondering. You know, it's one thing to marry somebody, and you've probably been seeing them and going out with them for some weeks, months, maybe years in some cases. She'd never seen this chap. Didn't bring her a photo. There were no photos. Didn't just had the description. But she saw the riches. She saw and heard the description of master. How much time do we spend preparing to meet the Lord, even in our prayer times and when we come to worship? John says, abide in him and when he shall appear, and we ultimately shall see him. May we have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Are we ready to meet the Lord, even day by day? But then a little bit more here. We, can we not be comforted in that you will be led all the way home. You're a Christian here tonight. Trials, difficulties, pains and suffering and all sorts of afflictions. Old age, disability, all sorts of things can bring us low. Have this comfort that we will be led all the way home where there is a change coming. It's not a case of we're going to limp home, is it? It's, it's a case of we have a triumphant entry into glory. And in a moment, the scripture says, in the twinkling of an eye, this body of humiliation, this vile body, will be changed and will be free from all the limitations of, of sin and sickness and pain and all the things that go with it. As one said, we're more sure to rise from our grave than to rise from our bed in the morning. And then finally, I just end with the challenge of this passage. Wilt thou go with this man? Have you come to know the Saviour? You may know some of the things of Christ. You may have seen something of his riches. You've heard some of the things in God's word. You've seen the bracelets, as it were. But there's still the question, wilt thou go with this man? It's not just a case of knowing about him. It's coming to cast your all upon him. Rebecca had to leave her old life behind. There was no other way. There was no halfway. She couldn't say, well, I'll come over there for a few days, then I'll come back. You know, she had to leave it all and cast, out, cast her all on Isaac. And so it is here, we leave the old life, we cast our all upon the Lord Jesus Christ. How did Rebecca respond to the question, wilt thou go with this man? I will go. And I'm sure for some that has been a gospel response by the Spirit of God to be enabled to say, I will go with Christ. And I will follow him. That's the call in the day of grace in which we live. That we might leave our sin. And we might believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And be saved. May the Lord so enable us for his name's sake. Amen.